Last time on Lawful Stupid and Angel's Cove. William and B are ready to go on this adventure uh, through the portal and save their friend, Lucian. You teleport through and you are in a location, but you can see this floating kingdom. You guys make your way through the town. You find um, a rather poorly man. I'm the curator for the lowers. This is an excellent happenstance. I was actually looking for you. I'm concerned. I, I heard some soldiers, the ones who are, will be escorting the, the diamonds, Talking about scooping out on their transfer duty. I've got a small crew. We're going to double up the patrol and essentially keep the upper museum guards where they need to be. Here's the access cards for the downstairs. And then you hear the trumpets. And you know that that's a call for the diamond to come up. I flash the security card that I have. Uh, sorry about the inconvenience. Thank you, I appreciate it. And then I pull Miss B along. We're going to take it the rest of the way. You guys get to enjoy the party. This is this is awesome. It's awesome. Imagine army privates. They just think it's the best. They have alcohol. They are off shift. Then they leave and go around the corner. Let's put it in my pocket and skedaddle. You make your way back to the elders chapel. Sister, you have it. She'll take out the diamond from her pocket. Is that a baby or a diamond? And he, and he takes it from you and he says, You'll have your friend back on the morrow. Lucian, you uh, open your eyes to the sun beaming through on your face to this, uh, in this elder's building. And standing above you is Will and Miss B. Told you we'd be here. Welcome home, buddy. Lucian has been revived, and everything seems to be well, and our our lovely heroes, agents, whatever you'd like to call them, are getting to spend a little time uh, in their hideout, we'll call it, at Angel's Cove. But this episode is special because we are going to follow Beatrice uh, on her one-off and some things that she's going on, got going on. And so, Beatrice, I'll, I'll kind of let you take off here... But just to set the scene, we've been now in Angel's Cove for a couple weeks. What have you been doing, uh, whether it's on your own or with the boys or with, with family? Kind of just a, a general synopsis before we jump in. Um, well, she for sure was doting on Lucian for quite some time. Um, just to like make sure he's good and okay and whatever but she also like gave him a tour around at least the old city that she knows of probably took a few wrong turns and was like I have no idea where I am now <laughs> um, and she would offer them like a place in her home to sleep so it would be like her two kids bedrooms if they were interested uh, otherwise she would probably walk around town see who's still around that she might know and uh, just kind of wander and see how she can feel like she's herself or not. Mm. A little lost, for sure. Would you say mostly lost now? I, I guess it's it's been over 600 years to you, and so even if it seems like yesterday, the people and the city has completely changed. Uh, I would say like 97% lost. It's pretty specific, and I like it. <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah, okay. And, and I guess you're hanging out mostly in uh, the old town. We'll call it the old town, and we'll call it the new new town. So we can distinguish between those two. Sounds good. Uh, we'll start our adventure with you simply reflecting 
in your very own home. The place where you and Neo, uh, when you fell in love, you built this place, helped build it together, and you built a family here as well. Yeah. Um, a lot of her days, or at least maybe this day in particular, she's going throughout the house, taking her time, walking slowly, just oh, finding that cute little Nick in the dresser over there that her kids messed up <laughs> during a play fight or something. Um, smiling softly at little reminders of, oh, hey, there's a paint splotch that she threw at Neo <laughs> when he was interrupting her painting. Um, it's very slow and quiet as she goes about and checks them out and maybe stare at the painting she made that's above her mantle place and stop through with her family albums. Uh, and I, I think that as you walk into your room, your old bedroom, that you step on the all too familiar floorboard that creaks because <laughs> this floorboard is kind of where you kept your, your secrets from your, you know, your kind of cutesy things from your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Neo would often leave you sweet notes here. Um, and you notice that maybe this one is has a little a little more wear and tear to it than it should. Well, that's a little weird because my siblings said they had been taking care of the house. Um, but uh, she'll go down to it and like usual, she'll just hit it with the back of her heel just to like pop it up a little uh, and then kneel down to pick it up and go inside, check out her little hidey hole what's different yeah and I think there are there are several items here um, there is the ring that Neo wore himself um, from the Haven family it was it was his uh, another ring he had perhaps it's like a sigil almost so not his wedding band but a, another family heirloom a mm. uh, couple odds and end things in here and then there is a small journal that looks different to you she'll she'll look at it kind of stare like do I remember this journal it's been a minute since I've been in here, and then 600 years. Uh, she'll she'll pick it up and start flipping through. Um, maybe it's an old diary that she just forgot herself. As you open this, you you see that there are some scribblings. Uh, some of it is it can be read. Some of it has perhaps old maps or or sketches, maybe of town. All unfinished, it seems like. And as you're flipping through, you see that there's a few pages that have not been written in. And then it starts to, the pages begin to fill. And I think that you stop uh, flipping through so quickly as you begin to get to this area of text. And you see that the first page that has some writing on it says, Day one, at the very top and then the center. Now I'm about to give you a wall of text. Um, and so feel free to ask any questions after I'll make sure to have some notes but in this you find this writing my dearest Beatrice 
If this letter finds you, I don't know what state the world will be in. As I sit in it, the world is in chaos. The throes of it threaten us every day. Which is why you left me in the first place. And I was always so impressed by you. A strong woman, but at the same time the most loving mother and supporting wife. I might decline you stood by me, knowing my limited human years would leave you with heartbreak. I want you to know that I completely understood when you had to leave in my last days. I was told by Marguerite and Lafayette that I was barely there. My mind had left me. This leads perhaps to your confusion about this letter. I want you to know that sometime after the blossoming, your brother and sister used magic to have me awakened. Before you get mad, I think it was for a very good cause. I don't know if you remember all the work that I was doing with a group of people, the Invokers. These beings have some sort of great spiritual connection to the gods, something much more than just a connection to the source of their magic. Almost as if the god favors them. But they are not without testing. My family, albeit crooks and mongrels, did seek to find these individuals and, and give them a home. As a young boy, I remember my father going out to find these people. Often children who exhibited some sort of elemental prowess, and, and he would bring them back. We formed a, a school here that is a branch of our normal school, even here in Angel's Cove. These invokers learned what it means to harness their power. At any rate, this isn't one of my research papers. I miss you, Beatrice. I only have a couple months of time. I have tried reaching out to you several times with no success. I had heard you were right in the center of things when they went wrong. Taggart has retreated from the southern continent, but they are by no means defeated. Zalens has rushed in to clean up the area. We had heard that there were several who were touched by the dragon's curse and placed at the Catacomb Isles in the House of Slumber. I fear that you may be one of those, and my heart breaks. But now I work to figure out why the dragon's curse exists in the first place and why it only affects those who use magic. Definitely something to do with the gods. And then you see another posting for day 25. I've had a huge breakthrough. The dragon's curse has nothing to do with the dragons, per se. It has everything to do with one of the planes, an elemental plane. Its magic courses through all of the planes, but was infected somehow, tampered with. Instead of being able to draw upon the magic, it seems that the it was drawing the life force out of people when they used magic. The more they used it, the more it drew them out. I know it doesn't seem to make a lot of seem like a lot of information, but this is huge. Now we just need to pinpoint which plane it affects. Day 47. There is another plane. There are all of the elemental planes held by the gods, but there is another. I can't prove it just yet, but I think that those who were put into sleep are the same ones whose life force is now on this plane. I say that because a few of the invokers, using some of their abilities, were able to tap into the mind and soul of a few of the sleepers and talk to them. They kept saying, help us, help us. Any questions we asked were simply replied to as such. But this is a huge breakthrough. It's insane. A powerful magic. What's amazing is they are asleep, but they don't die. They are preserved in the same state in which they fell asleep. And it is well past the time in which they would require food or water to remain alive. This isn't good by any means. Some darker magic is at work. It feels like the end of times. I only have a few days left, anyway. Maybe writing this is all pointless. And then day 60. Beatrice, my sincerest belief is that you will change the world like you changed mine. 
You've never been one to sit on the sidelines and let the world pass you by. That's what I first noticed about you all those years ago when we were on mission. Even before you were a mother, you were a problem solver, a go-getter. You made me better because of it. You are my inspiration. Your siblings are putting me back to sleep today, for good. But what a glorious second chance to be able to write you. Our kids don't know I've been awake. I think it would be too hard and confusing for them. I've been able to sit at the window and watch them walk by on their way to school, or as our older ones walk hand in hand with their loved ones. Our grandkids are getting so big and missing a lot of teeth. I've written them letters as well. Beatrice, we built something amazing, a place for our family, and a place for those without a family to become a family. That's what life is about. You're born, you live, and you die. That is a natural cycle, and I'm okay with that. But it's all the stuff in the middle that tends to be the hardest. And it's even harder when you're alone. When I met you, I knew I would never be alone again. Even now, I feel you with me. You're out there somewhere, improving on the world. I will sleep peacefully tonight, and hopefully dream of you. I've left you something in the bottom drawer of our dresser. I hope it's still there if you find this. Lastly, I was able to work with some of the invokers to create an incantation that can give you access for brief moments to the and I hate this to the soul plane, as we are calling it. We haven't gained much more than that, but as long as the soul plane exists, we have a chance. And there's nothing else in the journal. It ends there. No more entries. Several pages blank. She'll sit there, holding the book, the last pages. Like, deep breath. Maybe a few tears rolling down at this point. Couldn't help but read and read and read and keep going until there is nothing left and she'll she'll grip the book tighter bring it to her heart and hug for a second before quickly going over to the dresser inspect whatever that thing was yeah, and you do um, and I think what do you think you what do you find in there what do I think I find I know what do you find what do I find uh, if it's a little gift by Neo, um, it'd probably be a cute little music box that he attempted to make and fiddle together. Not not the most deft of hands uh, <laughs> to do it, um, but he knows her love of music and songs, and um, maybe collected one of the ones that she used to sing, put in a little music box format. Uh, and maybe inside is a little tiny dancer. Or maybe two, to reflect the both of them. And they're just... She turns a little crank and it starts to play. And she'll watch the two little figures dance about. Maybe it takes on a magical aspect of it. And it starts actually dancing around in circles. What I would like to think happens is as you... You turn this small handle, wind this thing up. You hear the gears clicking in place and the characters moving around. It begins to play the lullaby that you you told him about, like the the thing that kept you as a child, you know, in a sleep, and the and the same thing that he heard you hum to your children to get them to sleep at night for so many years, and presumably what you know they pass it on down the line. 
And as it begins to play, not only do you the, the music fill your ears, but you begin to see those colors that you saw in your vision kind of dance around the room as if they're emanating from this box. Nothing much more than that. And then it ends. That sap. <laughs> she chuckles and wipes away some tears. And she'll happily like place it on top of the dresser right next to her bed. Alongside the notebook that he left for her. Um. Yeah, I don't know how much time you spend here. Uh, maybe just gathering yourself. But- Lots of time. Okay. So much time, Devin. Uh, it wouldn't be fair for the listeners if I left Let's all the Let's just do it in real time now, long. and yeah. you just tell me when you're ready. Oh, it'd be far too long. Far Sweet too long. hours later. <laughs> uh, okay, great. I, and I think even, maybe it's the next day. You, you, you lay down in this bed, maybe thinking of Neo and Times together, um, confused, elated, and you fall asleep. And you wake up the, the next day. Cool. Well, I think the next day, like having collected herself, uh, curious about a few things he's set for her, like um, this stuff about the invokers and the soul plane. But it's at the school, right? Or he said it was an offset of the school. So she's going to go to school, uh, (laughs) to the school that she knows of. Who knows how many are there now? Uh, uh, but old fairy tale high sounds good, right? Fairy tale high it is, <laughs> and it's got. Let me just say also, it's got some higher level magic as well. So it is perhaps a K through twelve esque feel to to one side of this building, and then there's some higher level education that takes place on the other side of this this building. Is, and so this building is in the new town. Mm-hmm. It is a brick and mortar. It is a it's a beautiful work of art um, with kind of those we had mentioned what, what is the word you use to describe they have like the, the f- like the very fairy ass grounded there are like no um, right angles to the building and so it's kind of like this amalgamation of, of just beautiful oh, no. art you've just asked me what word was it now I'm not even going to remember the word um anyways think of like uh, just the, the most out there art, like uh, it's Fey style architecture, mm-hmm. and it's and it's it's craziest. Build that in your head. <laughs> um, but well, I'm going to remember these, in like five minutes. It'll be great. They do time. have these two giant gates on the at the front um, of this in this wall that covers it, um, and but they're open. I feel like she's been used to so much security that it's kind of weird and jarring at first. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's a school. Uh, I can just walk on campus. That's wait. This is my home. It should all be fine. And she'll go, I guess, towards the front office because at least. <sighs> yeah, there are. Uh, there, there actually are some people that are like on these like elk-looking creatures. Um, they have like six legs, and they're kind of—they seem to be patrolling as you walk into the campus. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are what looks like some some adults who are like leading kids in a line, and they're all like holding hands on one side of the building, walking around. 
Um, and then sort of the opposite side, if you look to, we'll say to your left is kind of where you see the younger kids milling around, playing on the playground. Uh, and then to the right, you see more uh, put together adult uh, figures who are, are coming out of this other side of the, this large building. I, I want to assume the adult side of the building. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, and so it kind of looks like if you were to look at it from above, from the sky, this building is like a, like a letter H where there's like a long building mm-hmm. and they're like three or four stories tall on each side and then there's there is that piece in the middle that will connect both of these buildings um and you walk into up the stairs um marble stairs into this building and it's it's beautiful on the inside as well there are vines growing kind of all around the walls um, but it doesn't look like it's intrusive or tearing the building down anyway it's part of the, the vibe of this building and there is a, a sort of a front office that you can go into. Cool. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna kind of somewhat picture how my high school looked like when I walked in. It's right there. Right. She'll go right in. It's probably like a nice kind of glass kind of door going on. Yeah. Uh, frosted. It still has designs on it to like keep the look upon it, but like enough so that the adults can see who's coming in and out, right? Yes, absolutely. Security is is. Is is paramount here at the uh, Angels Cove School for Higher Learning. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, she'll see if there's a receptionist, secretary. Who knows who's in there? She'll just like, uh, uh, hello. There is sitting, and it's like a a longer desk that has several chairs, but there's only one individual, small gnome, who says, "Oh, how can I uh, help?" <gasps> Oh my goodness. And he kind of jumps out of his chair. You see him disappear behind the desk, but you hear the pitter-patter of his feet running around. (laughs) And he says, it is a pleasure to meet you. And he reaches up for your hand and like kind of shakes it without you giving it to him. Oh, she she will willingly give the handshake back just like to be more effort in this. Mm. Still, still kind of weird. She's like, "Ah, oh, uh, hello. Um, uh, I'm guessing word has gotten around the town. <laughs> oh, indeed, Madam Beatrice. Thank you for coming to visit us. Is there is there something we can do for you? You want to take a tour? You want to take a class? Anything for you? Oh, there was uh, a few things I was interested. Um, I was hearing from one of my nephews uh, how the story of the town first started up, and that was a little... It was a bit watered down from what I remember it being. Uh, oh. Uh, as well as, um, I was told about, um, oh, what were they called? It's like an invoker class, I believe. Oh, yes, we take great pride in training the invokers. Um, I, I was interested in both those, uh, who do I talk to about? I suppose the history classes for the children as well as um, perhaps looking in on the invoker class for at least a day or two. Uh, Perhaps getting a pass for um, a couple of my friends who might be interested. Oh, as we said, absolutely anything for you. Um, So what would you like to do first? Let's let's get you on your way. I will be your... um personal... Uh, I'll show you around myself. My name is Geraldo. And I'd be happy to get you refreshments as well as we, we take our trip. Um, 
no refreshments needed right now. I ate before I came over. Um, uh, let's let's start with the history, since that seems a little more easier to digest. Who do I who do I speak to? Um, well, let, let's just take a walk and see who's kind of got a class going on, and and I think we can catch maybe a professor or two who's who's kind of just uh, taking office hours. All right, sounds wonderful. Uh, okay, and I think he just he takes a minute to go gather some things at his desk and uh, grabs like a briefcase and then he says, ah, follow me. Hey, and so you'll, you'll take a couple stairs, you'll go two floors up in this same kind of the higher education uh, center and walking down a hallway and then you stop at a door and he goes, oh, why didn't I think of this? I, I'm sorry, I'm just maybe uh, so so shocked by your your presence why you're one of your your very own family members and it, on the door it says headmaster Clariel Haven she'll pause for a moment read the name look at Geraldo uh, um yes I, I, it's it's been six hundred years. My my great granddaughter is still alive. <laughs> she, yes. Um, you live to be very old as as elves, and and then even more so, a sun, moon, and and he points to you and twilight. She'll knock on the door. She's excited. It's like a fast red-a-tat-tat. Um, but, like, she's not going to barge on in. Headmaster and all that. And you'll hear someone say, Yes, just a minute, please. <laughs> and you do, and she goes, Maybe we should have made an appointment, but she'll, I'm sure she'll be, be happy to see you. Well, she- from what I remember, when she was little, she was very much a stick in the mud of sorts. It's all right. And the the door opens in Avon because I cannot find these dagum notes. I recollect her being a moon elf as well. No, she. What is she? She's, she's something that lives a long time. Well, she was a half elf. Um, but a lot of that family side was a mix of elves mixed in, so it's your choice on how long they get to live. Uh, That's true. She yeah. she got that blood, that that good good blood. It's your her. world, my dude. Uh, but from what B remembers her to be, she was she had very straight, almost white, purplish hair of sorts. Um, more towards like the purple tint, but very pale, very bright. Um, and her skin was a nice tan color with like any of her children and grandchildren that were related to her by blood. They all had that little star speckles on their skin. Mm. And that's how you knew that they were Beatrice's kids. It's because, like a trademark yep. of, of, of being a um, grandchild or child or bloodline Beatrice. Mm-hmm. Or a Twilight Elf. It's not all just B. But hers definitely had it throughout the whole entire line. Um, 
She always had a sour face, too, so when she looks up, uh, I imagine she's an old woman at this point, uh, looks up at her granddaughter. Um, Miss and- B, she's always been so serious. Uh, there's just, like, kind of, like, a shit-eating grin on her face, just kind of, like, a light and happiness to see. Well, she saw her siblings, but, like, this is this is one of her grandbabies she got to play with all the time. This mm, like- that's true. Um, yes, Geraldo, who have you brought me? <laughs> you can't tell me you've forgotten already, little Claire. And her eyes open up. Could it be... Pun intended. <laughs> but she doesn't laugh. Yes, it is. What does she call What do your grandkids call you? Um. What do my grandkids call me? Graham Graham? Oh, God. Um, Meemaw? <laughs> no, no, no. I got one. Uh. Because Ginger and I have this joke, right? And I, I'd like to use it. Uh, okay. They'll call her the Graham Berry. The Granberry? Yeah, and most most of all the nicknames that her children have had, uh, children, grandchildren, mm. all that, they're all berries. She'll call them like a strawberry, blueberry, uh, some sort of fruit when she ran out of berries. <laughs> she calls you elder Elderberry. What do you do? <laughs> no, she says, um, <laughs> Granberry, is that you? <laughs> yeah, it's me. Hmm. It is a pleasure to see you. I had heard you were in town, but when you had not come to visit, I assumed it was not true. Well, I thought I taught you to uh, go seek out the truth if you were that curious. Or have you been too busy being the, what, grandmaster of a school right now? She points, she says, headmaster. Ah, close enough. Look well, at you. <laughs> yeah, uh, please do come in and sit. We we can chat for a while. Oh, of course, of course. Mm. She'll happily go over and sit. She has a very neat office. Uh, everything has its place. It's just so. And even as she makes her way back to the desk, perhaps the door blew a stack of papers on the desk. Just even just so off a little bit. And you see her... Uh, pick those back up and put them just where the corners match. And she walks back around the desk and she sits down, elbows on the table, leans forward and she says, So what news do you bring? Um, not much news, I suppose. I came here in hopes to help my friend and I did just that. And Sadly, there's a lot of my memory that's not adding up at the moment. Um, How are you here? That's a good question. Um, apparently, I have been asleep for 600 or so years. Been up for the past month, couple months or so. You've been up. Awake. You were asleep. Mm-hmm. How do you know? Uh, well, that's what one of my friends, uh, Riz, has told me. Um, Riz watched you sleep. (laughs) Not that I 
I'm aware of. Um, just a friend from the blossoming time. Mm. Um, I remember it. I imagine. She sits back, arms folded. Chair kind of creaks as she leans back. She's still staring at you. What are you doing here? I had to come home and see if I actually did miss 600 years. And she kind of waves to herself. Not the same young girl that I once was. No, you've grown up. (laughs) And you haven't aged nearly at all. Yeah, that... That is true. Well, I don't mean to be a a Debbie Downer. I, um... I'm just very surprised, if you can't tell. I imagine it is a surprise for everyone at the moment. Even me. Here, back in, I think everyone's calling it Old Town now, um, to me, that felt like it was only a couple months ago, in my memories. But Mm, that's... That is amazing. mm Mm-hmm. But there are... (laughs) I, I came to the school for a few reasons. I didn't even know you were here. Um, After my um, pilgrimage, I decided to come back, and everyone was doing their part to figure out the dragon's curse, and so I decided that, well, you were my hero, and you were out there fighting the bad guy somewhere, and I was really, I just wanted to be like that, and so I thought, I'll come back, and I'll help my people, and then by helping my people, and the ones I know I want to fight to love that I'll be able to do that out in the world too and now I'm the headmaster of a school that tries to do that that's wonderful you're doing a lot um I heard that you have a invoker class as well as you would remember you you know of Argyle I'm sure because he'd be oh, cousin cousin of sorts yes indeed could, could you tell me did he just learn history wrong or are your classes up to par have you had many conversations with Argyle not that many I've been home going through everything um He's a few missiles short of a magic missile, if you get my (laughs) meaning. I see. So maybe he has gotten the story wrong. Do you still tell the story of my own mother and father, um, Sanjay and Terse? I almost forgot Devin. No, I thought it was Terse. Terse is here. Uh, of course, how would we explain our foundations if we didn't tell of, of the origin? Beautiful, because his version was quite quite watered down. <laughs> it didn't mention the war you at all. You missile short, I say again. Mm-hmm, I see. 
Well, wonderful. I was very worried about this school if that was the case. Not everyone goes on to be an academic or much else. <laughs> and that's okay. That is all right. Everyone has their place. <sighs> One of our own not knowing the story of their grand, great, great, great grandparents. I don't even know at this point. <sighs> I'm sure there are many of you now. No, she kind of like didn't. looked down and lost for a second. Hey. Thank you. I, I know whatever happened. We don't know, obviously, yet, but thank you for trying. You inspired a lot of us. She'll smile. I'm, I'm glad. That's, that's good. I'm sad I've missed so much, but still, still working on the same job, it seems like. So there's that. What do you mean? There's much going on with the dragon curse and those that are sleeping since apparently they're waking up again. My friends and I are working on this. Interesting. We did get news of a spike to the southern continent um, close to the catacombs, and we can only imagine there there is something going on there. I don't I don't suppose you were wrong. Well, I'm certain it will be right, and it will only it only feels like it's going to be getting worse at this point. Well, how can we help? How can I help? We're on we're on a mission to get dragon scales. Dragon scales. Uh, Seems to be the thing that started everything off. If your work... She pulls out a notebook mm-hmm. and uh, kind of scrolls it down. And she says, No one's seen dragon scales in millennia, almost. Apparently we had collected it 600 years ago. So it is our job to collect them again to fix whatever's wrong. Okay. Um... Interesting. Well, I, I tell you what, I'm gonna give you something. And she opens her drawer, and she hands you this uh, small spherical, um, very easy to put like in a pocket type stone. <laughs> and she says, "This is a stone of sending. <laughs> so if you need to contact me, I I have you, you can get in touch with me anytime you need." Oh, wonderful. She'll take it and put it in her pocket. Um, she'll look up at her and it's like, uh, however, we don't have to talk about this right now. Um, I'm sure having my friends about would be better at explaining everything that's going on. Indeed. Indeed. Yes. Um, if you want to get with uh, Geraldo mm-hmm. um, to, to get something on the books, uh, whatever, uh, Geraldo, whatever she needs, make it work. Uh, yes, yeah, yes, Headmaster. When I come up with things I need, I will definitely let you all know. Um, however, um, just so you know, I, I don't know if uh, Margo, um, Marguerite and Lafayette have t- 
told everyone, but we're collecting everyone for a dinner this evening. Um, mm, I have obviously, not gotten an invite. <laughs> maybe they're just slow on the uptake. They're, <laughs> they're much older now. Who, who did? You, who was in charge of it? I think it was Laufey, and that might be why we might be having That explains it thoroughly. Um, but they're, they're collecting everyone for a family dinner. Um, it'd be nice to see you. I would be honored to be in attendance. She'll smile. Consider me present. Wonderful. Uh, any other family, you might want to give them a heads up, because Laufey might wait till about five minutes before everyone's supposed to show up. <laughs> uh, I have a couple that I still enjoy the presence of. Perhaps <laughs> I'll send word to them. Oh, good. Um, yeah, we, we cleaned off some of the rooms at uh, our old home. Uh, so pushing all the tables together and all that nonsense again. Ah, classy. <laughs> hey, I, I hope it will be fun. Um, oh, um, however, I did want to see in on your invoker classes. Uh, your father had left me a note. Um, not your father. Your grandfather. Great-great-grandfather? God, how many... How many goes back? I don't know anymore. Grandbabar? Yeah. Your grandbabar. Um... She'll, like, rub her face just a bit, like... She's, like, awkward and smiling. She's, like, her granddaughter is now kind of, like, older than her, but also, like, where do I act in this? Like, do I mm-hmm. treat you like a big adult? Do I treat you like the granddaughter I had so many years ago? So she's, like, trying to work through it, and there's a lot of awkward everything. Just She stumbles on by. It's like, he, he had left me... Uh, a few letters to perhaps look into it. Oh yes, we there is there is a lot that we would need to discuss for another time. I, I'm sure you know with the invokers and their abilities, and so mm-hmm. we seek to hone in on their specific skills, help them to control those things, and prepare them for for the test to receive the blessing. Mm-hmm. And that's that's simply what we do. Um, beyond that, p- people don't leave here so much, even after they've gained the abilities. Many just settle down right here, finding it much simpler to, to live in Angel's Cove. It is much simpler, but it does seem like the world may need their help sooner rather than later, my dear. And I believe they have that expectation. Well, we've at least established that their powers are not simply for them to hold on to selfishly. Some are more willing than others, of course. Of course. Um. So, Devin, I think... From B's standpoint... She might try to do some, like, small talk things, like, oh, how's everything going? Like, just, she she took care of, like, all the business parts that yeah. she wanted to do, um, but she just kind of wants to do a little bit of catch-up, and then kind of be like, well, I don't want to take too much of your time, because um, we're going to be talking later this evening. Um, 
I, can... I think yeah. I think you perhaps uh, spring up some memories that you you have of when she was actually a little girl mm-hmm. um, before she went out on her pilgrimage, um, and and you managed to get a couple chuckles out of her, which has been very difficult throughout this time. But you feel like maybe her walls are coming down just a little bit. Oh, of course. Your grandma's got to work some action in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but she doesn't want to take too much of her time, so she'll she'll bid her uh, goodbye and perhaps leave the invoker thing for another time. Because now B is overwhelmed. She's now have more family members that she ran into unexpectedly. Yeah, I, I think she she puts out her hand as if she's going to shake your hand. And then as you put out yours, she closes her hand and then just grabs you up um, into a hug. Geraldo kind of gasps. <gasps> and then as she releases, she kind of straightens herself and she says, I'll see you at dinner. She'll do that cute grandma thing where she kind of like pinches your cheek kind of thing. She always did that. And uh, she'll, she'll kind of touch it and then... <clears throat> <laughs> Uh, you're still my little grandchild. <laughs> you don't give me that. You may be older than me at the moment, but I, I know how this works. <laughs> and you look great for your age. Thank you. She'll chuckle and go. <laughs> uh, and you, as you leave, <clears throat> maybe admiring what Clariel has put together, who she's become... This is, you know, your legacy shining through in this new city, in this new time for Angel's Cove. Let's talk about the City of Ghosts podcast. I've gobbled up episode one, and let me tell you, the quality of production, voice acting, and storyline are just simply amazing in the supernatural neo-noir drama set in the 1990s. It takes place in New York City, so it's got corruption, it's got murder, it's got all the things that haunt us. We follow the sardonic, dry, and gruff Eleanor L. Rifkin, who makes a living as an information broker, digging up dirt on high-level individuals but it's forced into a gripping new case of the supernatural kind. Here's a short trailer for you to sink your teeth into. Can you hear me? It's 1999, New York City. Where am I? Shut up! Bridget Lundy Payne stars in a new supernatural neo-noir audio drama. The voices, they're back. City of Ghosts. I understand this is beyond your usual scope. So two deaths and an attempted third. Must mean we're on to something big. Men like them have fortresses built around them. What good does sticking your neck out do, especially in this city? Still, just be careful. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Do be well, Eleanor. Ooh, so creepy. Love it. And I am happy to announce that City of Ghosts podcast episodes one and two are now available on all of your podcast platforms. So go give them a listen. And now, back to the show. Dinner is that night. I think we're transitioned right into that. Uh, 
So you know that Lafayette was going to make a, a type of spaghetti um, <laughs> that he's just never grown out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marguerite was going to make some homemade ice cream. Uh, it's like a, a custard style with all of the toppings, and so everyone else is supposed to bring some things as well. What do you bring to the table, literally? What Miss B brings to the table? She she would bring... I don't think she's like the best of cooks, but... But not the worst. So it was the best the of worst. cooks, it was the worst of cooks. All yeah, of yeah. All, all at the same time. No, she, she was great at, like, baked goods. So mm. we're going for the classic chocolate chip cookies. Ooh. Um, I'm a numb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and her secret ingredients were to, like, smush up berries and kind of, like, mix it in as part of the liquid um, used to make it. So just just okay. a hint of the secrets that she hardly ever taught anybody. <laughs> I think, and you're doing this at your house, correct? Yes, at her house, tables have been brought over, chairs from some of the other bedrooms that were hiding in closets in the attic, uh, unfolding tables, yeah, the whole nine yards. Side tables have been brought in. Uh, you know, like when that hodgepodge Thanksgiving dinner when mm-hmm. you have like your thirty family members in one space kind of yes. vibe it, and it's it is packed tight but it doesn't feel uncomfortable it feels like a great family affair something that's been long overdue uh perhaps something that some of these this family members do anyways maybe some of them get together i think it's not unheard of mm-hmm. let's get together to be a, a pretty regular occasion just now there's even more excitement around it because one of the founders the 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 grand berry is here <laughs> course and it's probably been at what 600 plus years since it's been at her house it's long overdue for her turn <laughs> it is long overdue um and everyone shows up pretty much on time it's it's hard to be away in the town that you it's like not a huge town really to, to be able to walk from anywhere in town mm-hmm. and everyone gathers around the table there are like candles i imagine kind of floating very harry potter-esque yeah uh lots of light there's some music playing whether it's from someone in your family's playing it uh or an old record player that's there uh-huh. uh, i think there's some maybe some old tunes that you and neo used to listen to that you really love that are playing yeah. uh, and there is a feast that oh, yeah. has been brought in it's loud and rambunctious and i imagine bees welcomed everyone into her very quiet home uh and there's like life and no more dust in this well there was no dust in it in the first place but like not the quiet that there was before and it's very warm and happy and jovial mm-hmm. and I imagine like she'll go down to sit at her spot at the table wherever that is um, at the head I think you're at the head of the table and <laughs> to, your, to your left is Marguerite and to mm. your right is Lafayette. And then anybody else that you want to put on there? No, oh, probably uh, any of her. Uh, obviously, Clariel would be there, and whoever else still alive. Cousins. Just everyone down the line. Whoever Whoever's there is. Whoever is there is there. Um, and. She'll look at everyone. And. and have a moment of just like freezing for a second, so, like shock or something, and put her hand to her mouth. 
and kind of like start to cry. <laughs> Everyone kind of quiets down and looks over to you. Uh, sorry. <laughs> um, it's it's nice seeing everyone again, and even new faces. Uh, it's 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 nice it's nice to know you're all here. The past few weeks have been wild for me, and I'm not ready to tell all those stories just yet. But it's nice seeing you all again. And everyone's kind of smiling at you, but not sure <laughs> what to do until uh, Lafayette says. Can we eat now, or are you going to yeah. keep being a sop? <laughs> yeah, you can eat. Go. And uh, she, he, but he kind of like hugs you as he says that, and says, "Everyone, dig in!" And everyone kind of they they laugh at that. Uh, Marguerite kind of shakes her head, and she kind of <laughs> leans into you a little bit, uh, kind of in a in a comforting way. Mm-hmm. She'll smile, look at them both. There. I imagine a lot of happy dinner times, lots of fun conversation, a lot of old memories, a lot of old stories that she'll tell about uh, Laufey and Margot about the trouble they used to get into, and just just to see who she could shock at the table and be like, who didn't hear these stories? Like, <laughs> you're not as pure as you think you are. Uh, <laughs> uh, kind of these, I think everyone like is. Uh, astounded, they are perhaps shocked by these stories, find them somewhat unbelievable. Especially like the one about the the gargoyles, like their heads are turned backwards because you guys did that as troublemakers, and they just haven't been changed since. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you don't have anything during the the during the dinner, Devin, I think at end of dinner when it's quiet down and she's got Laufey and Margot to herself, she'll look at them, kind of be like, "Would you mind if I ask a favor for?" Tomorrow morning. Oh, anything. Of course, sister. I wanted to go visit mother and father. Neo as well. Oh, well, you know that you must go at sunset, right? (laughs) There's sunset, of course, but... I don't know. I feel braver in the morning. <laughs> well, you can catch them at sunrise as well. They're, they're together twice a day. Oh, of course. Well, will you be up at sunrise, or will I have to wait till sunset for both of you to join me? And uh, Lafo says, I will absolutely not be up at that time. However, I will take a request this one time. And uh, Mark kind of like hits him and says, Whatever you need. <laughs> you guys are ridiculous, and I love you. Thank you. And uh, Lafa goes, mm, 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 We love you so much. Oh my god. <laughs> now, who's being the sap now? Margo is. Okay. And uh, that night ends. I think you sleep better than you've slept in a long time. 
This place is home. There's no doubt about it. And you wake up the next morning. Is that when you choose to go to uh, Celestial Fields? Yes, because I have requested my brother to wake up this early in the morning. I'm going to have to torture him just a little bit. <laughs> I think that the sun here rises. It'll probably be like a, a 5.15 a.m. type thing. And the, the party last night, the, the festivities went late into the night, maybe even early into the morning. And so you, none of you have gotten much sleep. But you're <laughs> excited to be up. As the... as. It's still dark outside, and you're making your way towards Celestial Fields, uh, which is kind of on the outskirts of town, away from everything, because it is the burial grounds, but it's a beautiful sight to be seen by anyone. Um, opening of the day, the dew is set on everything. Uh, your feet are wet as you make your way, th- uh, make your tr- the trail to Celestial Fields. And there's a span of about five minutes at the end of the day and at the beginning of the day uh, that you know where the transition is most beautiful. Uh, the sunflower, which is the flower that grows from the, the graves of any of the sun elves. Um, and then there's the moon flower from any of the moon elves. But it's kind of like, you never know what you're going to get when you, depending on what line they come from. But it's always sunflowers and moonflowers. Um, but you know that as one begins to close, there's a small window where they're open at the same time. Uh, as one is awaking and the other one is going to sleep. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're walking with Marguerite and Lafayette to this site? Yeah. Who do you want to visit first? Um, let's visit Neo first. And is he buried in the same place? Or is he buried somewhere else, more specifically? Um, I think he would be somewhere close to where her parents are, because I feel like they'll try to keep most family all together, right? Okay. Um, however, the Havens kind of have like their own little subsection around in the area, since they were a little different than the elves, but still elves sprinkled in with everyone. Um, and she'll and, visit him yeah. first. Yeah, you're uh, able to see his uh, see his, his uh, tombstone there. And a plot that is this, you know, these individual kind of graves are taken, well taken care of because kind of some of the others are buried like in the fields. Um, that's mm-hmm. up to the families to kind of have them just grow in this gigantic. It's almost like there's a road that goes down the middle. Mm-hmm. On the left side are the moonflowers. On the right side are the sunflowers. Gotcha. Um, you remember that flower she had gotten? Uh, yes. The moonflower that always stays open? Mm-hmm. She would take that and put it on his grave. That way he could have his own little flower that is always around. It's not quite a fake flower, but it's not a real flower either in some sort of way. Uh, but it's great. Yes. And you do that. Uh, she'll look at her sister and her brother. Um, then back to Neo's grave. And it's like I've found that he left me a journal. With oh. letters and notes. I'm not angry at you. And they look at each other. They they know what's up. <laughs> uh, whatever do you mean, sister? What could you possibly be angry about? Oh, bringing him back. They kind of drop their heads. And Margaret says, I'm so sorry. To find his thoughts well put together in the notebook, 
was a nice thing to find. And I'm hoping that research was useful. It was very useful from what we can tell, uh, based on the success of the, the school and uh, helping those young ones and, and old ones that you know we find to be able to harness their great strength. She'll nod and smile. It's like that's that's good. Then she'll look back at them again. However, if you bring anyone else back from the dead that's not supposed to be alive, I will personally make sure you find your graves early. <laughs> and uh, Lafayette says, I'm already not too far away, so who cares? <laughs> I know, it's great, isn't it? No one will suspect a thing. But we, we understand, sister, and that's why we were a little hesitant to help your friend, but knew that we owed it to you to give you whatever you wanted. You gave me whatever I wanted when I was younger as well. You spoiled me rotten. <laughs> You're well, awful and you. I love you. <laughs> jinx, double jinx. <sighs> well, what do I do this time? And he, he just throws his arms open. Forgiveness. Because I love you. And I owe you. <laughs> she'll, she'll hug him and bring in Marguerite hug them both it's like I forgive you now you kind of deep sigh <sighs> well I suppose you'll want to go vis- visit mother and father yeah it has been quite some time And I think you make your way there. Um, it's still a little before before that w- that small window mm-hmm. uh, where, where the sun is coming up. But you make your way there, and there in this field are two raised uh, round platforms, pretty large and very close to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe only a foot or two separates them. On them are a statue of your mother and your father, uh, about seven to eight feet tall each. Mm-hmm. And you're able to walk up very close to this because of the, the pathway that leads to that. This is kind of like they're the entrance almost to this. Um, walking between them takes you down the path, um, which is a pretty good 100 yards, whatever, down uh, be- between the two fields that are just growing with these sunflowers uh, that glow during the day um, and are, you know, light is gone uh, at night and the moonflower, which is the opposite glowing at night and kind of closed during the day. Mm-hmm. And so you walk very close to it, and you see the moon flower as it begins to uh, close and droop over a little bit. And you see that the, the sunflower has opened, and as it has done so, it has kind of leaned over underneath and is holding up the moon flower just a little bit as it begins to rise. And there's just stillness as the sun becomes comes up, and it blooms for the next five minutes or so, and they seem to intertwine gently. In silence, you watch as the last seconds trickle away and the glow from the moonflower fades uh, and the flowers separate with only the sunflower standing tall and shining brightly.
sometimes I wish they were still around so I could ask for a little help. <laughs> and they're always so... strong. I know mom's tale was always about crying, but... <laughs> they were good. And I'm glad the sun and the moons are around. Cause then, before coming here, it didn't feel quite as lonely. And it's weird to watch the world keep changing. Without him there. And she'll look at her siblings. Then back to her parents. I'm sad I wasn't there for when they had gone. It's okay, sister. They knew what you were doing. We all knew what you were doing. And you were the wild spirit, if anything, if in this family. And there was no sense in trying to hold you back. You're right on that. I'm going to cause more trouble. Make new friends. It's... It's, it's difficult. Why do we have to live so long? Everything... Changes so quickly. It feels like. When you say that... You hear in your head. It sounds like someone is saying it out loud, but you hear it more in your head. You hear someone say, It does change quickly, doesn't it? Uh, and if you were to turn around, you see between these statues, at sort of at the back of that field where the flowers sort of end, there it kind of goes into uh, you know a space of about 20 feet, and then there's like a wood line there. So it's literally just a big field with a right side, Sunflowers, left side, moonflowers. Mm -hmm. And you see this sort of black uh, portal that has opened up. And stepping through is this white dragonborn, um, which you have never... I mean, you've seen very few of these. Riz was the last one that you remember seeing. Mm -hmm. White dragonborn. And it's wearing this crimson red metal armor and a long uh, cloak. And it has a staff um, with this glowing red orb at the end of it. Um, as she looks at you, or looks at you, you see that it has these white glowing eyes and this creepy toothy grin to its face. She steps out of this portal, and she begins to step through on the flowers, not taking the path, but taking the moonflowers. And at each step takes, the moonflowers lose their light and just kind of fall over. And she takes about four steps into this field, and then behind the dragonborn, is a, an elf that steps out with a large scythe wearing this wooded-looking armor. Um, the dragonborn doesn't talk, but you hear in your head, Where are your friends? Seeing the disrespect to the moonflowers, 
B looks like she has flipped a switch. It is no longer sad or tears or anything, just anger. Like, why would someone even do that? She wouldn't even give them the acknowledgement of speaking to whoever this person with the scythe is. She just goes straight for her daggers, the sun and moon pair that she's got. Yeah, and so then as you or even pull those out, you hear the voice say, So sad that they can't be here to see you join us. And she bends down and pulls up some of the flowers in a handful, and she kind of smells them, and as she smells them, the light seems to absorb into her nostrils, and the flowers kill over. And she drops them, and she says, What a beautiful place this is. I remember when my sister created it. So whimsical. So full of life. And with that, she raises her staff up with both hands. Um, at this time, you see two bipedal tree ants. Uh, some of these, these, what we call the wooded guards. They mm-hmm. come running out of the trees, uh, running hastily toward where the dragonborn is. And there's this strong light that begins to emit from the head of the staff. And you realize that the force is coming from the moon. Uh, the, the moon flowers. Their essence is being drawn up into the staff, mm-hmm. and then as soon as like there's enough in, it like shoots out in a disc form, and the trees are cut in half, and they lay on the ground. I'd like to go and attack this person, Devin. This is uncool. I don't like it. Um, as you, so you're again, we're looking at about a hundred yards out. Um, hmm. 300 feet or so, so it's very far out. Yeah, Miss B, like, even though they're far, it's going to take her a hot minute to get there, but she... This is her home. She's going to defend it. She's not a magic wielder that can toss something <laughs> far enough to make it. But hell, if she's going to stand there and just watch and do nothing... Um, so I think you're able to take your 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 steps forward, but you're not able to make it. Obviously, you're gonna t- it's gonna take several rounds. Oh yeah, um, a time to get there. But as you are running forward, almost even like anime style, daggers out, just just bloodlust in mind. You hear the voice say, "So you <laughs> are who's supposed to stop the world from becoming what I want it to be." And that's kind of their turn. As much as I would like to have this fun dialogue, Devin, B is angry. Like I've said, she's going yeah, so to this spend is, the yeah, next your, your turn. She's you don't have to running. say anything. Yeah. Yep. She, she's, like I said, several rounds to get there, however long. Uh, feet right into the ground, kicking up dirt. Um, avoiding any of the flowers that might get in her way, hopping, jumping, however she needs to. Um, uh, her hair kind of whipping back. She didn't tie it back today. Uh, she wasn't expecting a fight. This is home. Uh, uh, her dress kicking up behind her. Uh, she always has her weapons on her just because that's who B is, but she's always prepared for something, even if it is somewhere safe. Um, 
as you're continuing to run, you've gotten closer. You're probably, you, you've covered half the distance, we'll say, to mm-hmm. this dragonborn who's just staring menacingly at you. And you hear her say, and just in your head again. Well, then we'll just end this part one of three death mission I'm on here and now. And she points this red staff at you, and again, it draws up a, a bunch of this moon energy, maybe even some of the sunflowers, their energy is drawn over into it, and she points it at you. And this large beam grows, grows larger and larger and larger, and then shoots, it's probably like the size of your torso, this beam, at you. Okay. And you're so angry that before it even hits you, your eyes begin to glow, but a rainbowy color. And as this beam gets within about 10 feet of you, the light ricochets off of some invisible barrier in front of you and out to the sides, into the woods, leaving these large holes in the tree line. Oh, God. Now I've accidentally killed some tree ants, Devin. And as you continue running, I want you to roll a perception check for me. Yeah, sure. Not good. That's an 11. Um, roll with advantage because you're like Super Saiyan right now. <laughs> 15? Yes. You see micro expression of this confident, smiling, maniacal looking character suddenly falters and it takes the smallest step back and then you see their head turn to the elf behind them but you can't you know something's being said but you're not sure what they're saying and as you run up to attack they're able to jump back into this portal and as you slash through it you catch the wisp of darkness and you and there's no one there B, I won't scream into the mic because I'm not going to spike it. But she would yell with frustration up to the sky and like white knuckle holding her daggers. She's pissed. It'd be like, what in the gods? <laughs> uh, I don't. I, so the scene I imagine is kind of B falls to her knees. Um, daggers kind of maybe like into the ground out of anger mm-hmm. and I don't know how much time passes with you there and then you feel a hand um, on your shoulders on both shoulders and you just know that it's Lafayette and Margaret and so you, you take your hands up and you, you grab those hands on your shoulder but as you look up to your right it's William. And as you look over to your left, it's Lucian. And that's where we're on the episode. Interesting. That's fun. That's fun, Devin. Did you just send my Auntie Unith to me? She just she just called the You're sister. A- well, to be determined. Hey, everybody. Thanks ah. for listening to this episode <laughs> of Lawful Stupid. Um, this is really fun. I like our one-offs. 
I don't know if you do or not. If not, wait till next week. We got <laughs> the whole crew's back together again. We're going to record that shortly. Uh, but let's go ahead and get into our after episode item. So as for the other two episodes, Avon, you get to do, you get to carry all the weight. I get to carry all the weight. Uh, well, let's do the most important part, I feel like, would be our role for humanity. Absolutely. Uh, so it's for UNICEF still because we're it in is. October. We are. Uh, 1D20? Your girl just nat 20 Dang. So uh, I think what Shane <laughs> does, and he's on, he can correct me wrong, I think you just roll again and we're going to add to it. Sweet. So that's a nat 20 and then another... D20, right? Yep. Sweet. And that's a 10. That's, a thir- that's $30. That's a, might be the highest roll we've ever had. It's been a while since you guys had a 20 on roll for humanity. So exciting. Exciting. So uh, go support your UNICEF peeps because I think it's... I don't even remember all the details about it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have failed. That's fine. They um, hook up. They're trying to hook up kids with Halloween costumes and, and that kind of thing. So kids who can't I, get them. So they want to go uh, to Spooktown and get candy. So that's how we, we want to help them do that. Wonderful. Uh, the next part would be... Uh, if you want to support Lawful Stupid, you would like to visit our store at store.lawfulstupid.org. We've got shirts. I want to make a Halloween shirt of some sort. Um, so that, that'll be fun. So go buy it. Maybe we'll have stickers instead of shirts. Or maybe a combination of both, because I, I like both things. Uh, otherwise... I like both things. I do. I, I want like all the Lawful Stupid products. I like wearing it. It's very comfy. It's very soft. Like... If Ginger and I could fill our closet only of Waffle Soup and stuff, we would, because the shirts are that nice, and I'm old and I don't want to wear bad products anymore. <laughs> um, so UNICEF doesn't do what I said, apparently. So UNICEF, uh, this copy and paste from Shane, is also known as the United Nations Children's Fund, is the United Nations agency responsible for providing humanitarian and developmental aid to children worldwide. The agency is among the most widespread and recognizable social welfare organizations in the world with a presence in 192 countries and territories. Shane, thank you for that copy and paste. Uh, And you can get the link uh, in this episode as well in the show notes. Beautiful. Also, if you'd like to join our Discord, where we can get copy-paste stuff just in case whenever Dev and I mess up, Mm -hmm. uh, we'll have somebody to correct us somewhere in that Discord server. So go to Discord. And you can believe there's people there. If you love being corrected, (laughs) just join our Discord. Yep, just do it. Always willing to correct you. Uh, Or send theories. I want both. I want to know what other people think because maybe that is anti-Unith. That's my thoughts at the moment. Um... Yeah, so we did the Discord thing. We did the we store. did the role for humanity. Yeah, yep, at the store. Excellent. Now I have to do the last part. Let's do it. Um, oh, my God. good news story. Yeah. Oh man, I don't know. Some of them I'm, I'm af- I, because it's you. I feel like I can do some of these other ones, but I'll, sometimes I'm afraid to even say some of them. I don't even want to hear the bad <laughs> side of it. Um, but let's do this. Woman pays for sixty strangers' meals. At a Pennsylvania diner, I'm. I just wonder why they added Pennsylvania. Like, why is that important? But that's the new story. Woman pays for sixty strangers' meals at a Pennsylvania diner, and so you get to be yourself, and then the boys. <laughs> <laughs> that's too much pressure. I don't want to be them. That's their job. <laughs> um. So, 
she's just being a sweet old lady. Uh, she misses all her grandchildren. Obviously, she's like Miss B, right? So, like, to spoil the people around her, let's just feed everyone, because who doesn't like a good free meal, right? Uh, what they don't tell you... What do they not tell us? <laughs> what do they not tell you? <laughs> um, <laughs> that she's trying to gain people for her lich baby army. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to read Zebra. Zebra says <laughs> they're actually not strangers. It was a family dinner and she had Alzheimer's. <laughs> yeah, no, I like that option. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're a $50 patron, you could send in stuff and I will take it. Please and thanks. Um, <laughs> but the thing you need to wake up about, because there, there's sheeple among us... <laughs> I bet the boys are loving my struggle bus on trying to think of something. Uh, it's, it's all it's all a government conspiracy that Alzheimer's mm. isn't real. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just all an act to make sure that the newspapers can spread this feel-good story. That way the Abons uh, of the world can keep assuming it's a nice old grandma trying to spoil people. So okay. wake up Wake up, America! You sheeple, <laughs> Wake up, just sheeple. do it. <laughs> I say, I think you nailed that. I think you actually just get to replace uh, Shane from here on out. Oh no! Also because he's not going to have any audio in this episode, even if he <laughs> chimes in right now. Uh, well, with that, we thank you for listening, and as usual, we love you. We love you. Bye. Bye. I could have gone on forever. I am out of here. You could.